This is Cast Club Radio. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling. On Cast Club Radio, we believe every spirit has a story. And stories like good drinks are always better when shared with friends. Each week, we'll explore the intersection of cocktails, spirits, beer, wine, and life. It's Cast Club Radio. Here's your hosts, Lydia Cruz and Justin Stiefel. Good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Cast Club Radio. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today, November 3rd. My name is Lydia Cruz. And I'm Justin Stiefel. And I'm Maura Dooley. Well, we're past one of the major fall holidays. Halloween is in the books. How was it for your family, Justin? Uh, the kids are still recovering from their sugar coma. Did you get to <laughs> steal a little bit of the candy, too? you got to sample it, make sure, you know, it's all right for consumption. We have what we call a parent tax. Oh, so yes. We, uh, you know, we're, we're teaching the kids to be entrepreneurs. they got to pay taxes Exactly. Eventually. I had yeah. that as an older sibling as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mine was just more like my brother stole my candy, and I just assumed it was, you know, a given, but yeah. Well, my kids, it's gotten cute because they know I'm a sucker for Butterfingers, Ooh, and so they yeah. just now will search through their bags of candy. They'll find the Butterfingers. They just bring them to me and say, hey, Dad, here's some Butterfingers. Nice. They're literally buttering you up. <laughs> yeah, <so. literally>. okay. <laughs> Perfect. That's, yeah, that's good. <laughs> Perfect. Well, now that we've got the Halloween in the books, that means Thanksgiving is right around the corner, yep. too, and that's a big deal for you guys, and already planning a little bit? We're planning. Uh, oh, I was in Eugene... Uh, just this week, uh, Thursday, we launched our rum in Eugene, Oregon, and that was a big deal. Lots of people showed up at the distillery for that. That will find its way here to stores in Washington come the first quarter, uh, but the rum is real, very good. We've got two recipes. One is based on George Washington's favorite rum recipe. Oh, wow. From the late 1700s. I mean, that's perfect. That goes exactly with what heritage is all about, yeah, right? There's always right. a great story about everything. So. That's right. That's right. And then, of course, we're in the middle of people planning for the holidays and so we're selling lots of advent calendars and and uh, eggnog will be making its way back Ooh, to our tasting rooms starting yes. uh, this coming week wow <clears throat> and the eggnog is a big deal there's no alcohol in it uh, it is custom made for us by parfait in ballard it's the state's only certified organic ice cream creamery ice creamery i guess you'd call it <laughs> five ingredients go into the eggnog and uh, we sell it by the liter in our tasting rooms and uh, there's only five ingredients, and they're all natural, and it's amazing stuff. And we designed it with uh, the folks there at Parfait, and you can mix a large number of our products into the eggnog in real time at home. So if you like coffee vodka and mm-hmm. you, Mara, like uh, BSB, you can both get eggnog and then pour what you want into the eggnog. Wow. And if the kids like eggnog, there's no booze in it, so they can have the eggnog. Exactly. Even if you get your hands on some of that new heritage rum, you could put that in Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah, Rum and nog. (laughs) Absolutely. Yep. And so, uh, yeah, we're excited to to do that. And because we've got tasting rooms now in uh, Roslyn and Ballard and Capitol Hill, they will now be exposed to this amazing eggnog come holiday season. That's pretty cool. You know how kind of like pumpkin spice lets people know that it's fall? Eggnog yeah. really lets you know that it's it's the holiday season. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's time to start shopping, like you mentioned. Start gift planning. So the advent calendar is a great way to do that. That's right. And uh, my kids are eggnog snobs now. They won't just <laughs> drink the eggnog you get at Safeway Robertson's. They only will drink this eggnog. So. They've been spoiled. I love it. <laughs> What's going on in the headlines this week? Well, uh, interesting. You know, we all have perceptions about what we like and what we think we like and, and how we form those opinions. And according to the Daily Mail in the UK, wine snobs, a study found that people don't really care how wine tastes. They base their choices on where it comes from. This is a study. 
put together. People are, are more likely to pay more for a glass of wine based on where it comes from. Researchers conducted a three-stage blind tasting experiment to discover this. And uh, novices were more likely to, to judge based on location than experienced drinkers. Makes sense. As mm-hmm. a novice, you're kind of looking to see what the market tells you is good as mm-hmm. opposed to someone who you know knows what they've figured out over the course of life. Uh, when people choose their bottle of wine, they care most about location, location, location. The conclusion of the new study that sought to pin down why people buy one type of wine over another to find out the researchers conducted the experiments in Hong Kong. Uh, so researchers uh, had people participate in the blind tasting. Uh, they were given a glass of wine completely blindfolded without knowing any info. Then they tasted it and judged it. They then got a glass of wine, and before tasting it, they were told where it came from. And the final stage was them being given a glass of wine and receiving the details on where it came from. And during each tasting, the participants were told to taste and rate each wine. And lo and behold, basically, they liked best what they thought was the location of the wine as opposed to how it actually tasted. This is a really interesting thing to do with your friends and family around Thanksgiving and some of these times you're going to have parties. You should each bring a bottle of wine. And then have somebody set it up and do blind tastings with yeah. notes and see if you can guess the type of wine, the varietal, the grape. You, maybe you can guess the region it came from and uh, your overall opinions of it. And then have those notes, share it, and you can talk about what you think you liked versus the information you got later on. And it's 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 amazing to listen and watch people's reactions when they taste something versus what they think. Yeah, they I bet there'd be some surprises. Oh, yeah. Lots of surprises. <laughs> Next up, you may have seen this making its way around social media, but our friend uh, Ross Geller from Friends, yes, otherwise uh, <laughs> goes in real life by the name David Schwimmer, uh, he was accused of stealing beer in the UK. Police in Blackpool are hunting down a man uh, after a theft of what appeared to be a tray of beer from a local restaurant. <laughs> this, wow, first a off, tray of beer. They're hunting down a guy based on a tray of beer. Now, a tray of beer, is, we would otherwise think of it as a case here. Mm-hmm. Um, he looks a lot like Ross Geller. Exactly. Right? Like, exactly. It's uncanny. Yeah. If you if you haven't seen this yet, you should go online and take a look. We'll put up the link at, at heritagedistilling.com too, but you've got to check out the picture. Yeah. So the police fo- uh, post this on Facebook and they get 68,000 shares because he looks like the character <laughs> yeah. and the huge fan base that show was on for 10 plus years and, you know, lots of awards over and over. And so David Schwimmer, being the good guy he is, he actually responded by making his own spoof video <laughs> of him looking just like the guy, holding the same disheveled case of beer, pointing up at the same angle of the camera. <laughs> and it's been shared 110,000 times and received 169,000 likes from fans. So uh, we'll post this. It's just a little fun, tongue-in-cheek. And uh, we have to determine, I think this is homework for us, what celebrity thief do we think we would look like? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> right? And then, yeah. And then uh, go and create some interesting poses. Exactly. I don't know about celebrities, but everyone cameras. mixes Lydia and I up all the time. That's true. So More we could pin it on each other. Commit crimes and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, finally in the news this week, Bombay Sapphire, a very famous, famous brand of gin, world-renowned. They launch an edible paint virgin and tonics. This came uh, from the drinksbusiness.com and uh, Bacardi is the brand owner that owns Bombay Sapphire. They're launching an edible blue paint which can be used to color either the inside or the outside of your glass. Uh, they've got five different flavors they've come up with to launch at five bars, each with their own take on the flavor. And the idea is that the flavor of the paint will slowly infuse itself into 
the gin-based cocktail. I just kind of want to get your opinion on whether or not you want to be adding paint to your <laughs> cocktails. I feel like by any other name, slash we talk a lot about branding, by yeah. any other name, if this wasn't called paint, I might be interested at least in the sort of the idea of it, yeah. right? An edible... Like wash, wash, any other sort of branding, but yes, to hear the term paint is is not really something I would like in my cocktail. But the idea to see what it would look like visually and or to to at least try what it would taste like would be interesting to me. The thing that's actually smart about the campaign is Bombay Sapphire's bottle is blue. The glass yeah. is blue. That's Very what gives no- it that yeah, blue notable. glow, right? The the gin on the inside is not blue. Um, so when you're painting the glass blue, the same color tone as the bottle. And that goes out along the bars, and people see the waiters or waitresses carrying that out there, the bartender serving it. That visual color is so tied to the brand that I can see why that would have a response. But I still am am always worried about what am I putting into my body? Yeah. This blue paint, what is that going to do? Exactly. Uh, Will it make me um, healthy? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Coming up on Cast Club Radio, we're talking to two of our friends from the Gig Harbor Downtown Waterfront Alliance. That would be Mary Demers and Josh Sherwin taking some time with us to chat about a great event coming up called Girls' Night Out. You don't want to miss it. It's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Thanks so much for joining us right now, chatting with our friends from Gig Harbor Downtown Waterfront Alliance, Mary Demers and Josh Sherwin, chatting with us about a great event coming up, Girls' Night Out. It's going to be this Thursday, November 8th. Mary, we keep hearing about the popularity of the Girls' Night Out in Gig Harbor. This is a pretty big event, isn't it? We get about 2,000 women downtown shopping and dining in one day. Wow. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, it's, it is an amazing day. We've won an award from our Washington State Main Street program for that event for outstanding promotional events, and we're very proud of that. That's well, incredible. Lydia, we have to get down there. I know. What a, we've been missing out. Please do. <laughs> How long has uh, Girls' Night Out been going on? This will be our ninth year. Wow. And we have a slogan that goes along with it. It's uh, it's called Shop and Dine from 10 till 9. Oh, that's perfect. Well, no wonder you won that promotional award. I get it. <laughs> so even though it sounds like it's an event that takes place in the evening, it's actually taking place all day. And it's it's a huge boom. And one of the neat one of the neat things about that event and the Sip and Strolls is that it brings people to Gig Harbor to see all of the businesses that we have, things that maybe they haven't seen, the assets to the downtown. And that's what our Main Street organization is all about, is is getting people to experience that and help us with economic vitality in the downtown district. Absolutely. And our currently our community, whether you're in Seattle or Tacoma or Gig Harbor or it's experiencing a lot of a lot of people are moving here because either whether it's for work or they are finding out about how great the Pacific Northwest is. What would you want those first timers who have never been to Gig Harbor before but really want to visit? What would you want them to know about about Gig Harbor? 
Well, I think that the feeling of community here is so incredibly strong. And, you know, we do all of these events year-round, and we could not do it without the volunteers that we have. I mean, I'm talking thousands of hours of volunteer time every year. So there's just such a community connection amongst all the different people and, and neighborhoods and groups. So that I think people feel that. We've actually talked to people on the street during the events that they say, oh, my gosh, this is such a great place. We're just visiting. We're going to look at a, this as a place to come and live. You know, we have a waterfront farmer's market during the summer that brings people from out of town. Obviously, the boaters come in because it sells right on the water. And we just hear those kind of messages all the time throughout the summer. Yeah, this is going to sound weird, but we don't have tickets to Girls Night Out. Oh, okay, perfect. You don't have to have a ticket to come to this uh, amazing event. One of the things we do is we sell goodie bags to the ladies that they pre-purchase a couple weeks before the event. And the goodie bags contain all sorts of items from our really generous merchants that we have downtown. But it also has a program book inside of it that explains all the uh, things that are going on during that day. I mean, there's special activities, there's door prizes, and great coupons, shopping events, and uh, it's just, we don't sell tickets. You don't have to have a ticket to participate, but they do love to get those goodie bags. We make 1,500 of those bags available for people, and they're, they're filled with fun items, and when we put them up for pre-sale, they're usually gone within two to four hours. Wow. Oh. They go on sale, 1,500 of them. And the only way you can get them is to come downtown to purchase them at one of the businesses that's selling them. That's perfect. Well, a good excuse to come on down to Gig Harbor. We'll make sure people check out the website, get tickets or not tickets in the case of Girls' Night Out. Thanks so much to Mary and Josh for taking time out of their busy schedule to chat with us about Girls' Night Out coming up this November 8th. We've also got another expert on Girls' Night Out in studio with us. Justin, you've been a part of this event. What can uh, people experience when they come to Heritage as part of this? Well, we uh, provide great sales that night to allow the ladies to start getting a jump start on their shopping. And uh, that really is the purpose that the Alliance put that together is to encourage people to spend money locally in the local community, support the local businesses, and to not always buy everything online at Amazon. As much as we love Amazon and I'm a user of Amazon, it is always also nice to support the local businesses. And um, so we have drink specials. We've got uh, flights set up. Uh, they're making pudding shots this year. Ooh. The team is already working on adult boozy pudding shots. I've never heard of those before. Yeah, yeah. They, I asked them, I said, you mean jello shots? They said, no, we found some amazing no. recipes. We tested them with pudding, so we're going to have pudding shots that night. And I was like, okay, nice. you, you, you're running the show. I'm just going like to come it. sample. <laughs> you, just, you just empower your creative team there. I like it. Find good people and get out of the way. Yeah. yeah. Right? <laughs> and, so, and then we've got specials on our advent calendars and uh, gift sets. And it's just a chance for people to get out and enjoy the camaraderie. The ladies who attend this thing every year, they start early that day. Yeah. They hit shops. They get brunch with champagne at the restaurants around town. They are walking up and down the street like crazy. They're showing up in limos and it's, it's kind of, they turn it into a really cool girls night out, ladies night out. I had to go stand in line to buy tickets for my wife and her friends this week because yeah. she was out. And uh, so I'm in line early, 7 a.m. one morning, because they pre-sell and uh, cash only. And so then you have to give everybody's name and phone number. 
because when you go to actually get your bag the morning of, mm-hmm. they cross-reference it. They don't want you buying these things and then marking them up and selling them yeah. on the black market. Oh, wow. If you want a bag, it's in your name, and you've got to be there to pick the bag up in person. These are the cool gift bags that we, yes. we yeah. should preface this, but yeah, that they hand out. Josh was telling us they were a hot commodity, but I didn't mm-hmm. know that people would try oh, yeah. to sell them. Absolutely. So. <laughs> Uh, this year they changed it up a little bit. You, last week you had the pre-register, pre-pay. You got the book, and it's a big book full of all the deals and coupons, so you can plan a couple weeks ahead of time. Then that morning the ladies will show up. They'll actually get their bag with all the goodies. And in our goodie this year, it is LED lit antlers with the oh, Heritage brand yes. on. Uh, the nice. felt. Yeah, so the cool thing is when it's dark at night for ladies night out and you see 2,000 ladies walking up and down the street with these Safety. lit antlers, <laughs> that yes. is quite a sight. Oh, that's um, cool. And uh, it makes for cool photos and videos and uh, just some cool branding. But we're honored to be part of it, and we will serve lots of people that night. And if you've never had a pudding shot, come down to Heritage and get a pudding shot. Absolutely. I love the idea of getting your holiday shopping done with friends and being able to have some drinks and, like you said, just fun stuff set up to have good photo opportunities and not turning it into this last-minute stressful, oh, my God, what am I going to do type yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big deal. And uh, I know lots of dads and guys I hang, I hang out with who their wives plan a year ahead of time when they say, you're not doing anything that night because you're watching the kids. I'm yeah. going out. Sorry, honey. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's our night. Yeah. It's something cool, and we've talked about it before, but Gig Harbor in general is kind of this unique, cool community. It has a, it's both a small and a bigger community. I don't know what it is, but what's that been like to kind of watch this event grow within the Gig Harbor community? It's a testament to the Waterfront Alliance. Uh, There are 34 organizations like that in the state of Washington, and they represent the small core, historic core of these downtowns that for many people were forgotten over the decades as Mm -hmm. people moved to the big cities and things went online. So these towns are attempting to recreate the foot traffic, the vibe, and the energy around going back to core downtown. And Gig Harbor is one of those. And they happen to just be well-organized, well-run, and have a good uh, sound structure around them and a community that supports them. And Gig Harbor, like a lot of small communities in the region, is struggling with growth. A lot of of people want to move there. Roads are not quite what they mm-hmm. should be yeah. to handle traffic. Housing is getting expensive for folks. Schools, we need new schools. So it, in many ways, it, it's just a natural part of the growth here in, in Northwest. And we're fortunate because the economy is driving that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's how you get great events like this one, Girls yeah. Night Out. So come support local, shop small, and uh, have a pudding shot. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really into this idea now. <laughs> Me too. Let's do it. So for more information, uh, to be a part of this event, you can check out online at gigharborwaterfront.org. Uh, if there's not a bag available, right, Justin, you could still, people could still be part of this. Yeah, right? you don't have to have pre-purchased the ticket or the bag to show up. If you show up, for example, at Heritage, we're still going to offer you samples and deals. And uh, if you didn't get a bag, we may have an extra set of antlers or two. If you ask the staff nicely, I'm sure they'll give them to you. Oh, I like that. Come on. All yeah. those photo ops. Perfect. <laughs> Whether it's underwater, uh, inside a volcano, maybe 50 feet in the air, the culinary world is pushing boundaries when it comes to creative, extreme restaurants. You don't want to miss hearing about eight of the most extreme restaurants in the world. It's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. We talk a lot about beer, wine, and spirits, but we also talk about food and amazing places to eat food. 
in the past, we've talked about some pretty cool bars slash restaurants, but I'm not sure we've talked about anything quite on this same level. This is a list of the top eight extreme restaurants in the world. And some of these locations, well, I'll just say I'm not brave enough to eat in all of these locations. <laughs> Unless somebody dared you. Yes. Oh, okay. well, yeah. Maybe right. there was an incentive. <laughs> Well, the first one is uh, Europe's first underwater restaurant in Norway. It's in the southernmost tip of Norway near the village of Ballet. It is a submerged concrete container that doubles as an artificial muscle reef and marine research center. It is a 100-cover restaurant. That means it's got 100 seats uh, housed inside a rectangular concrete box that juts out into the ocean and stretches 5 meters below the surface and will feature an observation window into the North Atlantic Ocean. It looks kind of like a sunken periscope, according to the designers. Uh, you'll be able to see changes in the seasons and varying weather conditions while you're underwater watching through the uh, thick glass windows. And uh, hopefully, depending on the time of year, you're going to see some pretty amazing uh, wildlife, underwater wildlife. And uh, the meter, the wall is one meter thick on this thing, so three feet thick. Uh, it withstands the pressure and the shock of the rugged locations, plus it uh, helps to create that artificial barrier reef to help support the sea life. I mean, I am hugely obsessed with uh, going uh, with underwater things and mm -hmm. going to the aquarium. Uh, this would interest me, except, I mean, how is the transportation to get to it? That's my curiosity. <laughs> how do you, I mean, would that be a whole other, would waiting, waiting in line for the restaurant be just a whole other thing? I think it's part of the end of the peninsula and you actually it's part of there's stuff above and you end up going down into it okay so i think it's actually land-based they just pushed mm -hmm. it out to the end of the so you're you could take just an elevator or stairs it yeah. down it says to it this. juts out of the ocean and stretches five meters <clears throat> below got you the okay yeah. all right yeah. all right perfect yeah it's not just kind of floating out there in the middle of nowhere i could be into this one yeah i think that one's doable yeah all right number two um it is a dinner in the sky it seats 22 diners and it's hoisted 50 meters or 150 feet in the air by a crane. No. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, They've got God. a team of Scary. professional chefs who cater this. Uh, the concept was founded in 2006 by a communications agency as part of a uh, publicity plan. Uh, the Fun Group runs it. They have since hosted more than 5,000 patrons. And it's been all over the world, 45 countries, including Paris, Vegas, Sydney, Cape Town, Dubai, uh, Bogota, and Sao Paulo. And they've had celebrity chefs on there. And this is one of those things where, you know, again, you know, don't drop your fork. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Watch out below. From that high, you yeah. could really hurt the person below. Yeah. yeah. I, it looks like it would be an amazing view, but it's completely open. I have too much of a fear yeah. of heights. Like, I couldn't do it. Absolutely. And how about <laughs> the waiters that are, that are serving this? Because they've I got know. to walk around. They're not seated. Yeah, so the way it's set up, uh, I've seen the videos online. Your seats, actually, your butt is kind of hanging out over the edge. Oh, and you're no sitting around the perimeter. <laughs> and then the people serving you are walking up and down the middle aisle. So that's how they conserve everybody. So you're literally, you, you turn around, you're hanging over the side. You should get hazard pay if you're a server or a Absolutely. chef. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get the, they're all strapped in with the safety harness and everything. Oh, my God. Uh, you can rent this for up to eight hours. And it can be held at any location, provided that there's a surface area of at least 500 square meters that can be secured. Because, again, when they lift it up, they want to make sure that uh, you are, you know, on the ground. Nothing's going to hit patrons as they walk by. It might be a little too much hazard for me. My eating experience, but we should, we more power to you if you Put can. that crane on top of the Space Needle and then have it oh. hang up and over. Oh my gosh. All right, number three. 
eating inside a volcano. This one is in Iceland, and it is located close to Reykjavik. It covers 3,200 square uh, meters, drops to a depth of 213 meters. The volcano, that is the volcano itself. It has not erupted in about 4,000 years, so it's due. Uh, and uh, the volcano itself is a popular attraction for tourists, and they first discovered the the network of caves in and around there in 1974, and uh, it opened up in 2012. And I don't know, how do you feel about eating dinner in a volcano? It looks gorgeous, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think would, I would try it. I, I, I think I could try that if I had a, a good assurance that <laughs> no activity was happening. In bring bring a seismograph with you. Exactly, and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be, it'd be what would be interesting would be to hook up uh, one of those polygraph things and tell your guests it's a seismograph and they start telling lies and they'll watch the needle bounce all around. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I'm probably. Like yeah. <laughs> uh, number four on the list here uh, follows the cave motif and it is uh, Italy's Ristorante Grotto Palazzese, I guess. It's inside a natural cave carved into a cliff off the coast of Puglia. The restaurant itself takes its name from the uh, cave system. And the place that was once called Grotto de Palazzo. Records and paintings show that the location hosted gatherings as far back as 1700. So it's been used for quite a while. This also looks gorgeous. I'm a huge fan of, of caves as well. I think they're gorgeous. But there's there's a slight a slight fear involved with this one. But I still mm-hmm. I think I could be into this. Well, the thing about this cave system is it hangs out over the ocean, too. So if you see the photos, and we can post these photos online, uh, the lighting is amazing. The cave, obviously, is beautiful, the way they've got the table set up. But then the ocean underneath it and the what's happening with the rocks, it, it's quite stunning. Yeah, it looks pretty pretty romantic. Yeah. Now, number five, uh, my parents and uh, family have done this. This is in London called Danse Noir. Not everybody's cup of tea, but it's based in Clerkenwell, and the restaurant is completely cloaked in darkness. Guests fill the seats, and uh, they're guided to their seats by blind waitstaff. Once they're seated, there's no light at all in the facility, and they are served by a waitstaff that is 100% blind. Uh, the menus, the discussion, the delivery of the food, the drinks, uh, talking to you about where you can find your fork, your knife, walking you through the experience. And the idea is that uh, it puts you in the mindset of what would it be like to eat blind or drink blind. And uh, uh, it's it's a great cause. My folks had a, an amazing time, and mm-hmm. they said it was an experience unlike any other. Uh, they, they said the thing that they noted was that because it was dark, people felt as though they couldn't talk. Yes. And when they did talk, they felt like they had to whisper. I could see that. Yeah, because all your other senses would be heightened, right? So it would just make noise that much more. You're using your ears more. You're using yeah. your senses, sense of smell, everything else. So you're, you'd have a heightened sensory experience while you're consuming all of this stuff. Well, they also said it was the feeling that because it's dark, you feel like you do have to talk quietly. True. Which mm-hmm. is just this reaction that they had. And so it took a while for them to, as a whole group, to begin to just talk in their regular voice. It's like the movie theater. You always feel like you've got to yeah. yeah. be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, if I'm uh, ever uh, in or near London, uh, I, I plan to do this at some point. And I think it's for a good cause. And I think it shows that no matter what your uh, ability or disability, you know, we all function at a high level if we yeah. focus. Yeah. Uh, number six is not for the cold-blooded. It is the Snow Castle <laughs> in Kemi, Finland. It's a hotel and restaurant made of uh, entirely ice and snow. Even the tables and chairs Ooh. are made of ice and snow. Bring your warm clothing. I'm cold yeah. all the time anyways. I don't know if <laughs> yeah. I want to eat a full meal when I have to be in a 
coat the whole time. <laughs> yeah, keeps the beer cold, though. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was first built in 1996 in the city of Kemi. Ever since, it's been painstakingly rebuilt every year from scratch, the course because it probably melts in the summer. Uh, it opens to guests from January to April. It offers the same amenities as a regular hotel, except it's all minus 5 degrees Celsius. Uh, visitors are advised to dress warmly. That's probably the understatement of the year. <laughs> and um, the on-site snow restaurant is open to guests. It's the world's largest ice restaurant. It can seat 200 guests. Wow. Dish are, uh, dishes are offered in warming bowls of soup, salmon, reindeer, and lamb. Of course, reindeer is a big staple of the diet up there. Imagine that, to to build almost a beautiful work of art, because again, you'll have to check out these pictures, but these really are gorgeous, but to just have to rebuild that, to know that it's going to melt and that it is a, for, you know, it's a limited amount of time and just rebuild it every year. There's something amazing about that. And the pictures also show the artistry involved because they've got some amazing carvings into the side of the ice and the snow of uh, faces and people and interesting artwork. So that provides them an interesting open canvas to do every year to change up. But four months out of the year, impressive. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. All right, number seven. We actually only have about one minute left. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, the last two we'll cover here pretty quick. Number seven is a chance for you to go up in the outer space starting in 2021, mm-hmm. the first uh, luxury hotel in space. Uh, astronauts will have their chance to experience life in space um, uh, for 12 days aboard the Aurora Station. Uh, it's about $9.5 million for four people for 12 days. Uh, cooking in zero gravity can be a challenge. Uh, but they'll give guests the um, all the amenities. It'll be as luxurious as things could happen in space, I guess. And um, the orbit uh, it orbits the Earth every ninety minutes, so you you probably have stunning views every ninety minutes while you're eating and sleeping and doing whatever you're doing up there. And uh, you can take a reservation today, Mara and Lydia, for only eighty thousand dollars. Oh, oh wow, yeah, yeah. Let's easy. get on that. Yeah. Just a deposit. <laughs> yeah. Just a deposit. Okay? <laughs> Uh, and lastly, we talked about this last year, the nudist restaurants in uh, Paris and London. Following the craze, customers are encouraged to disrobe before dinner. Uh, 40 seats. I don't know how I feel about that. I do know that if the seats are cloth, I'm not sitting down. Mm, no. No matter what. Yeah. I don't see how that's sanitary. Yeah. yeah. Like just like hot things. Like it just seems like it would also be just a hazard. So yeah. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> the, the menu is quite high end uh, and it's not cheap to dine there, but... I'm just not interested in showing off or seeing what other people have. No. Yeah. No. I'll keep I'll keep my clothes on. Yeah. We'll leave that for the nudist colonies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up on Cast Club Radio, Distiller Dane is on with us. He usually always has some great places for us to visit, us to try out. I wonder if any of them are as exciting as these restaurants. We'll talk to Dane. That's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Right now we're joined by one of our favorites, Distiller Dane on the line. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Good. Excellent. We were discussing putting shots earlier in the show uh, for Girls' Night Out, and I hear that either you had a hand in them or you've been doing some taste test sampling. I've been a, a fan of them for years, and every time they do the taste test, I am usually first in line. Yeah, you offer yourself <laughs> up. Your services. That's only good of you. That's yeah. Yeah. Sacrificing for the cause. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. 
Well, we hear you got another top five for us this week. So you want to start it off? Yes. Number one on my list this week is WCU Cougar football. Mm -hmm. Did anyone catch the game last weekend against Stanford? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Gardner Minshew is a beast. Yeah, and Minshew, I think, like, the bigger the mustache gets, the better he seems to be playing, too. So, you know, end of the season, he might have some wings coming out of there. Keep on growing it out. They took the big big win over Stanford, so they're number 10 right now, first place in the Pac-12, and they got a big game tonight against Cal, so I'll be watching that tonight. And uh, he is fully prepared for Movember already. Oh, yeah. Gardner <laughs> Minshew is the second, right? Gardner fully Minshew prepared. Mm-hmm. Fully prepared. He yeah. told one of our afternoon shows, Danny David Moore, that he um, actually didn't plan on keeping it. Yeah. He was going to shave it, but no, he it can't. became such no. a thing. But, <laughs> right. yeah, he's right. locked in. He even uh, carved it into his Halloween pumpkin. That's awesome. Carved, carved a mustache into it. All right, so we're going to give Dane props for Wazoo football. Dane is a, a proud alumni of Wazoo. Nice. And, and we will... Uh, we will let him celebrate the current glory. Yeah, of absolutely. Yeah. All right, number two, Dane. Number two um, is candy corn on my list. So I normally don't like candy corn or appreciate it much. I think a lot of people can kind of get behind that. Mm-hmm. It's only kind of the candy left in a dish every Halloween party, and you aren't sure if it's still the same dish from last year or not. <laughs> well, I recently took my hand in the dish. Um, making some breakfast and I took the leftover candy corn melted it into maple syrup and made some candy corn pancakes with it Ooh. Oh, all right. I like that creativity there um, I wonder if we could mix two things that people make fun of which is candy corn and fruitcakes and we make a candy corn fruitcake because you know the joke about you give the fruitcake this year is the same one you got last year. It just keeps mm-hmm. making the toy around. Yes. So we should try a candy corn fruitcake and see how long it lasts. Two desserts mm. that just don't get. <laughs> yeah. All right. Candy corn, number two. Number three, Dan. Number three is Making a Murderer, the Netflix TV show. Yes. Season two was just released on Netflix. Have you guys been watching it? I watched all of it already. Okay. I haven't seen it yet. I've seen the first season, but yeah. I've, I've been stuck on The Haunting of Hill House, also by Netflix, which is amazing. So I've not seen another one. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, beware. It's a little scary, but continue. Sorry. All right. It's all right. My friends have all been assessing over it. I was kind of late to the game, so I hadn't even seen season one, but I just binged watch it during the week this week. So I'm about to start season two, but it's a crazy show. It's very interesting, a little disturbing at the same time, but it gets you hooked very quick. All right. Perfect. Got our new binge show. On all right. List. Making them a murder. Okay. Number four. Number four is laser tag. When was the last time any of you guys went laser tagging? Too oh. long ago. Too High long. Yeah. I can honestly answer it was last week. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, my daughter wanted to go, so I went with her. Oh, uh, cool. She kicked everybody's butt. Miss Kendall, who's <laughs> nine. Like, I had 8,000 points, and she had 47,000 points oh. continually over and over and over you, again. Oh, girl. Yeah, Man. She's, she's a rock star. Yeah. All right, go for it, Dane. What What about Laser Tag has inspired you this week? Well, I recently went for my friend's 30th birthday, and we went to Virtual Sports. It's in the South Center Mall area, and it was actually kind of the coolest thing ever. It's a little more structured than some of the other places. They do, like, a variety of different game styles, and they also serve beer. Unfortunately, you cannot take the beer inside the Laser Tag court. Uh, it gets a little messy. Yeah. And it was just very fun overall. And I do got to say that about 20 minutes of laser tag is very hot and tiring at the same time. It, <laughs> right? make, it makes you realize how out of shape you are. <laughs> then, right? you, then, then you can enjoy the nice beer, though. That's right. So I, I sense that we're going to have a playoff coming up. It's going to be Dane versus Kendall, the nine year Oh, showdown. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Bring right. it on. Bring it on. Oh, I'm going to let her know you said that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Number five, Dane. Number five, uh, one of the holiday season drinks, and that is Martinelli's Sparkling Cider. You guys mm. obsess over it? My kids do. Doug Baldwin's a big fan. Yeah. 
Really? <laughs> Shockingly. Surprisingly, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm into what, it. What about it? I don't it? know what it is about it, but I get uh, addicted to it. It always comes out around this time of the year. It's fresh, crisp. And I always remember that my parents always told me not to drink a whole bottle or you get a stomach ache. And that is the number one thing I always ended up doing. Yeah, yeah. of course. We call that circus belly. Uh, <laughs> you can add BSB to it and it makes an awesome cocktail, by the way. There you go. Yeah. Just and fun fact, the little white cap on top of it is resealable on almost every wine bottle and beer bottle and makes the perfect sealer after you open a bottle and want to close it and oh. come back to it oh, a little bit. Pro later. tip. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Life hack from Dane. I like it. <laughs> well, Dane, thank you so much, sir, for another amazing top five. And let's all in unison for Dane's uh, benefit. Let's all say go kooks on the count of oh, three. Oh, that's really difficult. I'm One, husky, but I'll two, do it for you, Dane. For the, for, for the state of Washington. I'll do okay? it for the state of Washington. One, two, three. Go, go Cougs. Go Cougs. <laughs> that was beautiful. All right. Cougs, guys. Back to work. Well, before we get out of here, we've got another great cocktail recipe for you. Justin, take it away, my friend. Yeah, we call this the nightcap. And in honor of uh, all the people who will be watching the Wazoo game against Cal, uh, here you go. Get ready. So this requires the following ingredients. Some orange bitters. This is the cocktail bitters. Uh, just has an orange flavor to it. Some grenadine syrup. In our distilleries, we use Raft uh, brand grenadine syrup. It's amazing. Fresh lemon juice from a lemon and some coffee vodka. That's all you need. So in a shaker, add ice, mesh, and strain into a daisy goblet all of the ingredients. Uh, One dash of the orange bitters, a half ounce of the grenadine syrup, a half ounce of the lemon juice, and one ounce of coffee vodka. So you're going to mix all that up in ice and then strain it out. And uh, garnish with a twist of lemon on it. Mm, Sounds good. Yeah, it's refreshing. Nightcap. Yeah. Uh, Awesome. Well, we'll have this cocktail recipe, as always, available at heritagedistilling.com. You can check out some past cocktail recipes. There's some good ones on there. And uh, get you ready for the holiday season. Of course, we mentioned advent calendars earlier in the show. If you want to do any early holiday shopping, remember, get involved with Girls Night Out this week as well on Thursday. That's right. And you can also find us at heritagedistilling.com on our webpage. Uh, Cast Club Radio link is there. The Cast Club Radio link is also at Kyra FM and 710 ESPN on your AM dial. And uh, don't forget to like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Perfect. We'll see you back here next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling, part of Cairo Weekends. Check us out on MyNorthwest.com to learn more and catch up on past episodes. Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling.